Yo, what's up with it, man? Jack Hella Classic. We outside like trees. Stay close, stay focused, and drink on that water. I have a couple of deep philosophical questions that I want to uncover. These questions I've been kind of studying up on. I've been kind of, you know, I've been, I've been waiting on the right time to present them. Now, we're going to dive right into it. The first question is, do guns protect people or do guns kill people? Now, think about that question for a second. Are you protected by guns or are you at more risk by being murdered by a gun? Now, guns serve a purpose. They serve a purpose to protect you. But we live in a society where we've been indoctrinated to use guns in the first place. Think about that. Every movie, every show, even in commercials sometimes, cartoons, guns, music, guns. Everywhere where there's media, there's guns. Now, partly to blame is, is the media, the mass media of the world. You know, I always say that the media is the new world order. When TVs were introduced, that was the new world order. Because you followed that order. The media gave you orders. It gives you orders. Psychologically. Today is a prime example. We live in the, the COVID-19 era. Coronavirus era. You go on the news to see what's going on, right? You go on the news to see what's updated. You go on the news to follow the order. New world order right before our eyes. Guns are a byproduct of the media. So do guns protect people? Or do guns kill people? The answer is a little both. But that's not really the best question. That's not really the best question I would ask. But it's the, it's the question that I wanted to present. Personally, I think guns kill people. I think guns kill people. Without guns, there would be less murders. Guns are an extension of our fear. We fear guns are an extension. Like, let me say that. It's an extension of our fear because we don't we don't understand we don't necessarily believe in in civility we don't believe other people can be righteous now let me just tell you this who created guns who created guns white folks you could say white folks created guns i won't argue with you there but when are guns dangerous when you think about somebody being dangerous with a gun, who do you visualize? Who do you visualize? A black man? Or do you visualize a white man? Now, this, depending on your answer to that question, solely depends on if you've been socially engineered. Because predominantly, mass shooters are white. Now you have isolated events and let's that's, that's not turn that cheek and disregard you know, black on black crimes in the hood because it happens every day. I understand. It happens more than often. But white on white crime exists also, beloved. So do guns kill people or do they protect people? My answer, you know, they kill people. Guns cause fear. Fear caused untrust. Untrust calls for violence. So, you do the math. The next question is, will racism cease to exist? You know, as long as there are multiple races, Racism will always exist. 
as long as there are more than one race, and that's my opinion on it, but I feel like as long as there is more than one race in the world, racism will always exist. Because you're gonna always have somebody that feel like they better than somebody. It's a natural phenomenon in human, in humanity. It's natural. Is it moral? Depends if it's the black man or not. The next question, why is beauty associated with morality? Ooh, that's a good one. Why is beauty associated with morality? When you look at a beautiful person, you think that that person is righteous, don't you? When you look at Rihanna, you think she can't do no wrong. You look at Beyonce, you think that she can't do no wrong. You look at beautiful people from a, from a lens A lens of, I mean, I guess you can say it's the lens of of cleanliness. You look at them as if they can't do no harm. They can't do no wrong. But why is that? Subconsciously, right, we associate beauty with righteousness. But usually, it'd be the exact opposite. It'd be the exact opposite. I think that we associate beauty with morality is because it just feels good. It feels like that's the right thing to do. Because if you associate morality with, with quote unquote ugly, it will it would be more socially accepted when you put beauty on or when you put morality rather and align it with beauty it's like that's a difficult question actually because I'm still trying to gather my opinion on it as I'm as I'm answering it but I feel I feel as though it's just easier to do it. It's harder to add morality with quote unquote ugliness. Something that's unappealing. You know? It's like it's like we would just like to think that's the case, but in all actuality, that's being naive. I think society has a lot of maturing to do. A lot. And we are just in the infant stages. Separation is the only is the only solution. Why do we the next question is why do we respect the dead more than the living? Why do we respect the dead more than the living? Why do we respect dead people? Why? Why do we we say, oh, 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 rest in peace, so-and-so. But when that person is living right next to you, you never bat an eye. You don't even think twice. You don't cherish that person's life. Not until they've been released from consciousness. But why is that? I think, personally, that's a reflection of our ignorance. We don't know what happens after death. That's a reflection of our ignorance. We get sad, we mourn over death because we have no way of interpreting that experience. What, what goes on after life? We're totally ignorant to it. Totally ignorant to it. And that's a way of dealing with that ignorance in my perspective. Because if you knew 100% what happens after death, you wouldn't mourn. You wouldn't 
be sad. You wouldn't be, you know, depressed after someone dies. We just have a lot, you know, to learn in life. We have a lot to learn. And the reason why I feel like certain people legacies continue longer than others, why some people are redeemed as legends, quote unquote, is because they fulfilled their purpose in life. Your legacy continues and your legacy is great after your death as long as you live your purpose in life. And we have a way of knowing intuitively when someone is living their purpose. We have a way of knowing subconsciously you can tell a person that's living their purpose versus a person who isn't living their purpose. Right? You can tell Beyonce is living her purpose. You can tell that person at McDonald's, they're not, they probably not living a purpose in life. So we revere them after death because we idolize people who tapped into their full potential. That's my thoughts on it. The next question is, does God have supreme power? Now, this might, this might go over your head. Does God have supreme power? Now, riddle me this. What's on the outside of the universe? What's on the outside of the universe? If the universe had a beginning, there was something that initiated the beginning. There was something outside of the beginning. When you turn a computer on, there's a power button. Someone pressed the power button. Who the hell is that person that pressed the power button? What were they doing before they decided to press the power button? Does God have supreme power? I think that God, I think that God has power, divine power, omnipotent power. Personally, I think God has supreme power. But if you were to argue this question, if you were to argue against this, your argument will be based on the theory, the theory of the universe. You would probably say that, oh, since since the mo the multiple universal dimensions theory exists, then that means that there is more than one God. That means that there is a infinite amount of gods because there are an infinite amount of universes. Right. But. God is all, everything, the possibility of anything and everything is within the reach of God. We, as humans, have a hard time fathom, fathoming God. We think so relative, we think so domestic, we think so naively, we, we speculate our perspective of the universe based on our experiences of reality. Humans are very, very, very intriguingly naive. Intriguingly. Even our, everything, everything, the way that we measure God is extremely childish. We measure God based on our own interpretation of power. Think on that. The next question. Will the world be a better place if caste and religion cease to exist? Will the world be a better place if caste and religion ceased, ceases to exist. Religion 
religion is there, right? It's implemented to keep the rich rich. It's implemented to keep the poor subservient to the rich. If religion didn't exist, the world would be more balanced. It would be more peace. Think about this. We used to use the trade and barter system, equivalent exchange. Now it's different. You have credit systems of the world. You trade based off of things you don't even obtain yet. Who does those things? Who does those things? Who implemented the financial system? Who implemented governments? The rich, right? The idea of rich and poor is an uncivilized way of viewing society. When you break it down, when you actually break it down, wealth, the idea of wealth is from the basis and the foundation of an uncivilized society. Now, I'm not saying that there should be a, a, um, um, what's the, a communistic society where everything is balanced and is, everything is equivalent, but the basis, the basis for all pain starts from suffering or the basis for all suffering starts from pain. Who suffers? The poor. The rich suffer too. But the poor always suffer. Always. I believe that religion was put into place by rich people. Poor people had no reason to believe in religion. It didn't serve their purpose. But if you got a billion dollars and you in a village full of people who has none of that, you need a system in place to keep those people from running in your spot. You need to let those people know that they will go to hell if they rob from you. You need to let those people know that God is going to chastise them if they kill you. The rich implemented religion. Religion isn't needed nowhere on the planet. Religion sometimes makes people better. It makes them righteous. It makes them moral. But do you really need religion to understand that you don't, you're not supposed to kill people? Do you really need religion to understand that pedophilia is a very, very diabolical act do you need religion to understand some of these things about moral, morality? Or are some of these things just common sense? Religion is putting you in a box. It's putting you in mental chains. You have to unlearn a lot. Now, like I said previously, there are religions that are good. But what if religions never existed? How would the world be different? In the future, I don't think religions would even be a thing. Because we would have already grown past them. There's going to be a time where we grow past religion. We're going to grow past it. My next question. What is the meaning of a good life? When you visualize the ideal life that you want to live, what is it? Do you even know? Or is that just a fantasy? Is it just something like what if you were to live the ideal life? 
not the ideal experience, but the life. 50 to 110 years, your life. What would it be? What is the meaning of a good life? I think what qualifies as a good life, what qualifies as a good life is you. Your way of viewing life. You can have a good life in any instant based on how you view and perceive information. Your perception is a byproduct of how you think. Your perception is a byproduct of how you think. The universe doesn't control anything. The universe is a projection of your mind. Your mind holds the universe. Everything. It has to, your mind projects everything. None of this will exist if you weren't here, right? So you decide if you have a good life. You decide. You the alpha, omega, creator. You the God of your universe. Your mind is the universe. Nothing outside of that can change. On to the next question. Is the most important purpose in life to find happiness? Is the most important purpose in life to find happiness is the most important thing in life to find happiness it depends on how you view happiness that brings me back to my previous point if you view happiness some people view happiness as ignorance some people view happiness as peace Depending on how you perceive the word and your experiences activate alongside the word, that's how you're going to perceive happiness. You could be in happiness right now, but you don't even know it. You might not even know it. Because you're so caught up in the conflict. What's not going right? Things that are going bad. But what about what's going right? Your body's still working. You still able to think. The sun still come up and down every day. There's still clouds in the sky. The sky's still blue. You still got oxygen and vitamin D. So what's really going bad? Is the world really going bad? Or is it your expectations that are making you feel bad? If you change the way you expect things, you want to change the way you love yourself. And ultimately, that's going to reflect on how you view the world. If that answers the question, is happening. Is happiness the most important purpose in life? Is it easier to be, to love or to be loved? Is it easier to give somebody love or is it easier to receive love? Personally, I think it's easier to give love. It's easier to give love. Some people will say that it's easier to receive love. Based on how you view the world. 
you know, in life, right, when you have a certain discipline, when you have a certain understanding of how the universe works, you have to give. Give so much. Give. Energy, time, focus, attention, all of those things. Give, give, give as much as possible until you die. Die given. The universe has a way of clocking in all of that. It took note and it took it, it took it to full account of everything that you gave to it. It took note, but the universe, it's not going to turn its back on you because you are the universe. So when you give, you getting also. You getting it back in the form of energy. When you when you when you give energy, you getting it back in the in the form of energy. It's the law of equivalent exchange. There's no such thing as giving too much. Everything is balanced. The law of polarity, the law of attraction, the law of manifestation, everything is about balance. There's nothing in the universe that's unbalanced. Nothing. Nothing. You have to love the art of giving. The art of giving. Never and don't even expect nothing in return. Give so much that it becomes a subconscious trait. It because it becomes a subconscious habit. But give. Give. And don't even respect any don't even expect anything in return. And that's how you're gonna find you. The more you're willing to sacrifice for the sake of other people's happiness, that's the most fulfilling, the most fulfilling feeling you're gonna ever get. So in my opinion, it's easier to give love than to receive love. Some of us don't know how to receive love. Some of us just don't. Some of us just don't. In my opinion, it's easier to give love. The next question is, The next question is, is living life to the fullest possible? Um, I must skip that one because that kind of goes along with what else I said. Then my next question, right? Um... My next question does ooh this is a good one does free will exist or is every action predetermined now this is a good one right here this is a good one does free will exist now think about that with me though beloved Think about that with me. That's a big guy energy question. Does free will exist or is every action predetermined? Does free will exist? You know, some people believe in fate. Some people believe in destiny. Some people believe in spirits. Some people believe in God. Some people believe in themselves. I believe this. Free will is definitely something we should be thinking about. 
in the grand scheme of things, you control your actions. You control your actions. You know, whenever I speak on the mind, it's because I haven't uncovered everything about the mind myself. And that's what intrigues me about the mind. It's because over 99% of the mind is untapped. We like to think that we tapped into 10% of our mind, but we don't know any of it. We don't know any of the mind. It's a big part of our mind as we don't know what the hell is going on. The only thing that humans can explain about the mind is consciousness and subconsciousness and superconscious. That's it. A mind created everything in our reality. It creates reality itself. We don't even know where the mind is. We don't know what created that mind, what orchestrated the foundations of reality, none of those things. We don't even know how we think. We just know that we are, we can freely think, and this thing is really happening. Like, we're really in life. Like, we really in this thing, right? So when you ask yourself about what is free will, that's a, that's a profound question. Because free will can be looked at as an illusion. As an illusion. We could be basing thought processes and how we view society as instinct. Instinct. Do we really think? Or are these just instincts based on our environment? Do we really think or are those just instincts? Think about that. When you go to the, when you go to the, uh, on a safari, right? South African safari, right? You go to, uh, you go, you, you, you go to a place, right? And you go see an animal, a lion, a lion is, you know, and, and you just sitting there, right? And the gazelle run past. The instinct of that lion is to start chasing that gazelle. That's an instinct for a fact. That's going to happen because that's in that lion's nature to go attack that gazelle. Now, let me relate that to the human, right? Humans have a natural fear of death. Now we do, at least now in this day and age, we do. Once upon a time, we have more of an understanding of death. And that's one of the limitations we have in society. But free will. Free will stems from we don't know. Are you really controlling your thoughts? Are you really controlling your thoughts? Or is there a power that's dictating what you control? When we press a button on a game system, does that character know that we pressing that button on that game system? Or do they think that that's just their actions? When you on Grand Theft Auto, do that person understand that there is somebody controlling them in that game system? Or do they just think that that's their original action? So when we speak on free will, we got to understand that in the reality, in reality, reality, you don't know 100% factually what's going on. You know, scientists are, are, are studying to build alternate realities from scratch. Years from now, not maybe um, somewhere in the next lifetime, there's going to be re like fictional realities, augmented realities 
that are going to be duplicated and they're going to look extremely alike from conscious reality. From conscious reality. They're going to be able to plug in artificial intelligence inside of these realities. And you're going to be able to control them outside of that reality. But to that artificial intelligence, they're in full control. In full control. So when you say that does free will exist, ask yourself, are you in control of yourself? Are you in control of your mind? And if you say that, no, I'm not in full 100% capacity to I can I can control the whole functions of my cognitive cognitive disposition and your mental infrastructure. If you're not in full control of your mind, then you don't have free will. You don't have free will if you're not in full 100,000 percent control of your mind. If you're not reprogramming your mind, if you're not unlearning things that you deposited in your mind, if you're not uninstalling programs in your mind, if you're not installing programs in your mind, then you don't have free will. And that answers my question. What is, well, my next question is, right? What is human consciousness? What is consciousness? Now, there are a lot of scholars, right? A lot of great philosophical thinkers, you know, that, you know, explain these things, right? In their own terms. Consciousness, consciousness is relative to our own understanding of it. What is human consciousness is a little bit more of a descriptive question to ask. Based on my own perception of reality, I would say that consciousness is a projection from the mind. And in this projection, it's a reality. And just like when you play Grand Theft Auto, you control of you in complete control of the outcomes, whether you play the game right. Whether you find out your complete purpose in this game, that's how you're going to view consciousness. That's how you're going to view reality and awareness. When you activate all those senses, those that full potential in your mind. That's how you're going to view consciousness. But consciousness itself, I think that we have yet to, under, to, to discover the full capacity of it. Because it's just like a baby, right? That's waking up into the world. You got all of this stuff going around, but you don't understand how it works. That's how we are towards the universe. It's a long, long, long way to go. We're still in the infant stages of society, civilization. The very infant stages. When we ask, you know, I think that's a very minuscule question. Like the fact that we still asking each other what is human consciousness shows that we haven't really advanced. That might be, well, I can give you some leeway. That might be a question that's always going to exist. That might be a question that's like, that's the same as asking, what is God? Everybody is going to always have their own interpretation of it. Some questions are just there for the sake of thinking. For the sake of pondering and coming up with good answers, right? But some questions should just remain at questions because you're never going to accept one answer from one person. The truth is subjective. How you view consciousness is solely your interpretation on the perception 
of how you view awareness. Depending on your level of awareness, you're going to be either ignorant or you're going to be naive. You're never going to be enlightened on what consciousness is because nobody has a way of confirming that. I can't tell if your view of consciousness is better than my view of consciousness. All of it is relative. You can give me the best depiction of reality, but until I understand it myself, I can't put your facts into proof. And that's, that's, that's how we perceive everything. I can tell you how to complete this math equation thoroughly. But you might still not know how the hell to do it. The next question is, is death a new beginning? When we die, is that a new beginning? We got to look at life. My favorite thing is, is my, one of my favorite laws of the universe is the law of polarity. There's always two sides to things. And both of those sides complement the other side. You wouldn't like light unless you knew how dark darkness was, right? You wouldn't appreciate warmth unless you, were, unless you didn't enjoy being cold, right? You wouldn't appreciate happiness if you never went through frustration. But life serves the purpose of tapping into your full freedom. And the only way you can be free in life is if you release yourself from your mind. Release yourself from your mind. Your mind is the greatest obstacle, the biggest enemy you gonna ever face in life is your mind. The biggest devil is gonna be in your mind. Every complication we experience in life starts from the human mind. Death. We have to look at death. When we die, we have to look at it as a release. We're being released. We're being released. When you contain something, when you contain something, right? And you release it, you're releasing it back into its natural environment, right? You know, consciousness is, is not the same as our biological body. Our minds aren't connected to our body. We can feel, if you, if you were to throw a baseball at my head, I can feel it, but my mind only send triggers to my body to release pain sensors. My mind didn't feel the pain, but my body did. My body felt every inch of it. If I shot you in your stomach, your mind not gonna feel that. Your body gonna feel every bit of that though. Once you separate the two, you understand that life is way different than what you perceive in it. Your mind is outside of your body, but it's attached to it at the same time. I don't think that you can kill consciousness. I don't think that you can kill awareness. I don't think that you can kill 
a mind. Now you can you can shoot a brain. You know, there's people that are brain dead. There's people that are, you know, like mentally disabled. But there's still functions going on in their mind. They might not be able to articulate themselves on a social level, but they're still mentally functioning. Even if they can't say a word. There's a debate that says that there is no such thing as a mental illness. There's a theory that says there is no such thing as a mental illness. You only accept how you perceive your reality. You only, perce you only perceive reality the way that you want to. When you do a brain scan on somebody who's quote unquote has a mental illness, you see no difference between that person's brain and a regular everyday functioning citizen. So that you have to ask yourself this question. What is going on in that person's mind, right? Their perception of reality has been drastically altered. Consciously. They consciously made a decision. But when you go into that dark place, it's hard to get out of it because you got so deep in it. You normalized it. So you don't even want to go out no more because it's just like when you've been sitting in the dark for so long, that light starts to irritate you. It irritates you. Is death the new beginning? I think that life, I don't, I don't believe that there is life after death, right? Because that's an oxymoron. I believe that there is, I believe that there is consciousness after death. I believe that you're still aware of some things after death. You might not be, you might not have memory you might not have recollection of what you just experienced for the last 80 years or 100 years, but you still have consciousness. You might, you might just have a clean slate on your hands. You might just start over fresh. Now, I'm not saying reincarnation and stuff like that. That's not what Big Jack Hella Classic is getting at. But I'm saying there are a lot of possibilities. But I don't think that you die consciously. I don't believe that. No energy can be destroyed. None whatsoever. None. And consciousness is a form of energy. It's, re, it's, it's energy that is aware of its own potential. That's what consciousness is. Energy that's aware of its own potential. Quote me on that. Um... The next question. Oh, let me see, let me see, let me see. Let me see. Um. Intelligence or wisdom? What's more important for a better world? Intelligence or wisdom? I believe that wisdom far exceeds intelligence. You can be a smart fifth grader, right? You could be a smart college student. You could be the smartest person in the world. 
You could have a background, a PhD, a doctorate in science. But a person who has all of those things plus experience trumps that person. A teacher trumps the student. No matter what the student knows, you can know every answer on the test, but you're not smarter than the teacher. You're not smarter than the teacher because the teacher learns from experience. Wisdom is the application of knowledge you've, you've gained from experience. An intelligent person can be a smart person. They can have intuition. It's so many factors that goes with intelligence. So when we ask the question intelligence or wisdom, we have to understand that wisdom is the best form of intelligence. They create an artificial intelligence for a reason. Because you can't create artificial wisdom. They're not creating artificial wisdom. That's what I want in a robot. And that's what you want. I don't want intelligence. I want some wisdom. I don't want to be smart. I want to, I want to be experienced. You can know how water feels, right? Based on how somebody taught you how water feels. But until you go actually touch some water, you ain't going to know what the hell you're getting yourself into. You can teach a child about fire. Don't touch that. That's too hot for you. It's going to melt your skin. But until they experience, they are going to be ignorant. They're going to be naive. Until they learn from themselves, you're going to always live in ignorance. You can be intelligent. You can be academically inclined. But until you gain wisdom from experience, then you're no better than an ignorant man. You tapped all the way. Big guy energy. Hope y'all enjoy the podcast. I'm going to be breaking down some more for the future. But y'all make sure y'all tap in. Make sure you really tap in. It's going to take a little bit of love. Not too much. But you know, just enough to adequately fulfill your momentary needs. But Big Tree Activity, we had a nice episode of Big Tree Talk. I hope that I can get some more questions answered for the beloved. And we just, you know, big family, big black unity, big black order. We are solid with the activity. Big God everything.